The Where Nobody Knows Your Name Season 2 Review is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, the Season 2 Review. We're going to look back on all of Season 2. We did it before with Season 1. We're giving it another go with season two. It's been a good season, a long season, but I think we've enjoyed it. There's been a lot more character development, and uh, we've got a new main cast in the form of Cliff, which is a, a good addition, you know. Enjoyed him in season one. Now we get to properly see some Cliff-centered episodes. What's your brief review? Uh, I'd say it's a very good episode. There's a few filler episodes here and there, but overall, it combined the multiple story arcs very well. Yeah, I think one, one of the best things for me out of it was uh, Norm's arc. In season one, he had quite a good character development, and this has kind of been a continuation of that. They've mm-hmm. been giving him some episodes where he's really been able to let his character breathe a bit and develop further. In, in some of the episodes in season one, we got to see Sam, Diane, and Coach behind closed doors, where they're in the office and be able to be a bit more vulnerable. And we got that with Norm as well, which was yeah. nice. There's a few story arcs going on in this season, but before we delve into them, should I let you know what the critics thought? What are they there? You tell me what they know. Well, the ratings were a huge improvement to season one. As we know from season one, it was doing honestly quite badly in the ratings. It was quite low in the ratings. You know, people were wondering whether it would get a second I, season. I, I believe it was uh, It's the only program in history, I think, to have received both the worst ratings and the best. That's true. The worst obviously being in season one. Yeah, and the best all the way at the end in season 11. Many people regarded season two in their list of top 10 programs and surveys done by the Philadelphia Inquirer. And this was announced in their issue on the 26th of April, 84. There were, however, repeated criticisms of the Sam-Diane relationship taking up too much of the season. I think in a lot of ways, this season two feels a lot like The Empire Strikes Back to A New Hope. It's a little bit darker. There's a lot more sort of menace, especially true of Sam and Diane, yeah. where season one was kind of about sort of arguments, but a bit of hope there, that we don't know what's going to happen. Probably past the halfway point of the series, quite negative uh, all the way through, and everything's kind of tinged with this. But what will Diane think? What will Sam think? And it's kind of always there, all the way through, which is, it works, yeah. but it does get a bit tired, and I think that's why uh, some of the Norm episodes I found, yeah. yeah, refreshing and a bit more interesting. This goes further. Fred Rodenberg from the Associated Press criticised the show for dwelling incessantly on the San Diane conflict without developing characters. And that was from the Beaver County Times on the 21st of September, 84. The show overall, particularly in this season, was labelled destructive and immoral for showing such an unhealthy and even at times abusive relationship uh, that was by Harry Stein of TV Guide. You can see it in there. I think, again, it's we notice some things which we disagreed with, not necessarily in Sam and Diane's relationship, but episodes like Norman's Conquest, where the, the whole plot was really just about adultery. Yeah. You know, very strange thing to control. Plot, yeah. plot device to sort of how 20 minute story. The Charles Brothers, however, defended these criticisms of the TV show and the Sam. Mm. and Diane relationship for the portrayal of it specifically and their defense was revealed in the Calgary Herald on 4th of May 1984 mm. Star Wars Day coincidentally they were saying that Sam and Diane were not meant to last the season they weren't going to survive as a couple they have an incompatibility and they care more about being right than the other person's emotions you know, the main purpose of them as producers the Charles Brothers and Burroughs and all the other producers of Cheers is to entertain 
and that if any audience found the Sam-Diane relationship something to aspire to, that is more disturbing than the content of the show itself, which I thought was an interesting yeah. response. Yeah, I mean, that, that's actually a really interesting way to, to view it, where people, critics and audience, were expecting Sam and Diane to be yeah. a good match and aspiring to their relationship. Maybe not a good thing, um, and it not being designed to be. And I think that's something that Cheers has done quite well. They don't pander to expectations. Yeah. In season one, they tackled some quite big topics throughout. And showing that dysfunctional relationship across the series, and knowingly doing that, it's a quite bold move. And it's interesting that it wasn't really uh, received well, because maybe people didn't expect to see it as a negative relationship rather than a positive one. I do like that the Charles brothers went, yes, we, we know they're not a good couple. That's what we did. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't want to be like this. It's not a good thing. But the praise for this season was extended into the Emmys. It got 12 Emmy nominations, four wins for Outstanding Comedy Series, Outstanding Supporting Actress in Comedy for Rhea Perlman, and Outstanding Writing in Comedy for David Angel, who wrote Episode 7, Old Flames. It also received three Golden Globe nominations, one for Best Musical or Comedy Series of 1983, one for Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy Series, Ted Danson, and one for Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy Series for Shelley Long. And, and, uh, and Shelley Long is made into the, the musical aspect of that. Amazing grace. Frequent songs going on. Yeah. So that's the reviews. You heard our brief review. You heard what people thought of at the time. Should we delve into what uh, story arcs throughout the season prompted such yeah, response? Yeah, let's go for it. One thing that you kind of touched on there is something that the show explores a lot in this season is kind of the fragility of relationships. Uh, and this is explored in things like the Sam and Diane relationship throughout episodes like a cinema job, episodes like Summoner's Return, where someone from the past comes back to remind us of the character's previous lovers. Yeah. And that happens a lot with Sam's exes. Also, things like Battle of the Exes reminds us of Carla and her ex, Nick, and how he's moved on and Carla and Sam share a kiss in that episode. And all of these kind of episodes hint towards this idea that progenitive relationships. Exactly. Carla is adjusting to changes in her family life. New baby. New baby, exactly. And her ex-husband is getting remarried. Norm loses his job and bears this up with him. And I thought there was another couple of story arcs. Those were the big ones, I think. You know, Norm, Sam and Diane and Carla. Mm. But I think there was some other story arcs which were there, but were more subtle. One of them was Coach trying to relive his best days. This included things like in episode 9, he was doing handstand push-ups and swimming, motivated by one of his old teammates dying. That's been quite a big theme in these episodes, is that there is that thing about legacy that we talked about in season 1. And I suppose that with Coach's teammates passing, uh, this idea of legacy comes back up and we have seen Coach doing things which he said he had done for a while. Yeah, poker game, bought a dog. He made a, a contiki-tiki yeah. and done that for a while. This was even just in uh, Where Did the Will with Malcolm Kramer behind mm. the bar saying his college days. Mm. That story arc is there. Coach trying to relive his best days, trying to be his best self. He's trying to break the record of these glasses broken. We've all been there, Coach. Trying to organise a picnic. I think it's really him just trying to get back to when he thought he was his best self, when he felt like he was able to do anything he wanted to. In uh, Coach Mix 3 as well, there's quite a lot of reminders about Coach and kind of getting Coach back out there a bit. I was said that we didn't see uh, him going another take. 
I felt like that was a kind of promise off the back of that episode. Loose plot thing. Yeah. But again, that was kind of establishing him getting out there, going for dinner. And in the episode as well, especially, we see him very witty, telling a lot of jokes, observational comedy from Coach. And then some of the best moments in this season, I think, is Coach sort of just having a good time. Which I think it was one of the things which was kind of missing from some episodes, where the, the sense of having a good time was kind of lost in some episodes, especially kind of in the last couple of episodes where I think some of the best moments were the coach and Carla ones because uh, the rest was quite intense not in a bad way but it's not it's not a feel good and the other more subtle story I could think of was Cliff trying to prove himself worthy of being Norm's best friend and a companion to the bar like he was trying to prove their main cast status yeah I mean is the episode where Norm brings someone from the unemployment office in to that's, get some drinks that's also a snow job yeah yeah there's, there's quite a battle there of Cliff Wanting a bit of attention and acknowledgement. And that happens quite a lot in Little Sister, don't you? He's trying to date Carla's sister, trying to prove himself worthy to her. She isn't up for a long-term relationship. In episode 8, he has this as well. Episode 16, I believe, is Cliff's... Cliff's a rocky mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. I think, again, that was one of the really nice episodes that, although there was quite a touchy subject of sort of harassment and yeah. a little bit of bullying, it was nice that it was focused around Cliff. Again, it was a bit refreshing in that sense, but yeah. In terms of Cliff trying to prove his status as a main character, that's the one, isn't it? Driven to the point where he karate kicks planks of wood and headbutts things with no experience in doing it. You're a main cast member now. You have to do that. (laughs) Sign the contract. (laughs) You said quite intense season we needed some levity at some point mm. what do you think were the highest highs which brought us that levity those moments which at times in this season we felt we needed i think some of my highest moments comes down to some quotes oh yeah uh, and one of them we've talked about already which is coach's wit in coach he makes three quite his observation of banking that was a high for me and we're like tellers you take tellers they never tell you anything they always ask questions and interest. There's nothing interesting about it at all. It's boring. <laughs> oh, and then the trust department. They got all the pens chained down to the tables. <laughs> what kind of trust is that? Oh, there he goes again. You're just too much. Just confident. And I think um, something which we haven't seen a lot in this series is characters being confident or, or truly confident. Um, we've seen Cliff pretend to be. Norm hasn't for a long time in this series, I think. He got it towards the end when he got a bit of faith from uh, Sam. And then he set up his company. And I think that was another high. Norm setting up his accountancy firm. Because that's been such a, a big thing about his employment. It's been a big struggle, yeah. Yeah, over the two seasons since Friends Around the Captains, yeah. When he lost his job. And I think that to happen in this series was a big win. So I think that's got to be one of the highest highs. I think for me, I happen to agree with you, a lot of it comes down to things like Norm getting his accountancy job, being Sam's accountant, Norm and Vera getting back together. Yeah. There are some bits which just make me laugh. It's Cliff doing karate. But overall, there's just some bits which, regardless of um, of whether they're not really connected to the main plot of the season, one for me is Malcolm Kramer blindfolded behind the bar, singing and mixing a martini. Yeah. It's, it's just a good image to watch. There is one which, I mean, we have to say, it, it's she did complain a lot, but I think one of the highest highs, it happened quite early in the season. It happened right at the start of episode two. And it was being kind of being carried off to give birth to her oh, yeah, fifth child in the hospital. And it's like, oh. It feels like such a long time ago when that happened. Coach's home movie, Visiting the Hospital. Yeah. That was a good high. This film I call a trip to the hospital to visit Carla 
and her new two-day-old baby. I like it. I like it. Thanks, sir. I've got some favorite quotes in here as well. Uh, we have one from Professor DeWitt. He's convincing. There's a real murderous intensity about it. This, this was one of my favorite quotes as well, which was... Uh, Help! The psycho's trying to kill me! It's the only line of Shakespeare I ever understood! And Homicidal Ham was a really nice episode again, with Andy Andy's return. I think that's got to be a highlight. It's just a fun episode. I think Cheers is best when it's slightly whimsical, also slightly unbelievable. I would agree with you. Homicidal Ham is a good example of that, where Othello has taken the stage <laughs> in a small Boston bar. I've got a couple of examples just like that, whimsical and slightly unbelievable, but great examples. I can't take it anymore. You're too hard on me. I can't sleep. My pets hate me. I'm starting to smoke again. This kid's about 10 years old. Yeah, I think we've got the same top mm. three quick tips. Again, that's exactly what I've got. It touches on your idea again of Coach trying to relive some youth. Yeah. And when you see him in that lineup with all of the peewee baseball players and Coach in the exact same uniform, <laughs> you do get that kind of sense of like, he's yeah. one of the kids scampered about. Another great <laughs> Coach quote. I've got feathers in my shoes. I don't know how a chicken keeps a straight face. It's a classic coach moment. He's got to be, that's one of the, the key elements of the success of the season. Right? Oh, yeah. He's got the ability to take something that's very serious, but then because of the character that he is, he's able to subvert it. So yeah. quite fun. True. There's three favourite quotes that I have. I think one of them's definitely going to be on your list. One delves into whimsy a bit. Yeah, so I'm not a pretty boy. <laughs> My father wasn't a pretty boy either. Right. He was a beautiful man now. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Absolutely. I mean, beautiful mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. Just a beautiful... If you could have seen that man's inside... Yeah. Next time he has an operation, let me know. <laughs> Another great one, just because I empathize it on a personal level, is uh, Sam saying, I've eaten food worse than this. I think you're going to go for a coach saying that his great talent was eating things that aren't food. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think this has to be in your favourite quiz as well. It's Al's only line. Sinatra. Sinatra. That's got to be up there. <laughs> we have these favourite quotes and they brought us that levity. We talk about the highest highs. Unfortunately, we do have to talk about the lowest lows. The lowest lows for me. And this ties into the theme of um, legacy in Coach Berry's a Grinch. Uh, and it's this idea that his long-term friend who's just passed, Coach realises, made advances on Coach's wife. And it just changes Coach's opinion of this person and their legacy changes very quickly to the point where Coach, the poignant moment I put down was Coach punching the cardboard cutout of his friend and then having to deliver that speech. The eulogy, yeah. The eulogy. T-Bone's cup was the son of an immigrant. <laughs> and like most immigrants, he was a human being. <laughs> Human beings make mistakes. We're just not perfect. But I'll tell you what isn't a mistake. To love someone and to forgive them, no matter what his shortcomings, that's not a mistake. I love that man, and I forgive him. And I know that for the rest of my life, every day, there's going to be a moment where I'm going to miss him. So I got to say. I think that's one of the really weighted moments. And we talk about 
coach is quite a character who carries a lot of levity and lightheartedness. But switching that and making him suddenly very somber and upset. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking, but it's also very sort of uh, dramatic. And because of the switch, there's so much more power to it. And I think that was one of the most poignant moments for I, me. I would agree. The moments I have is, is quite similar to that, whereas Norm is pleading to Sam to knock them out of cheers to a chance they have a big argument after Norm does his taxes but Sam chooses to go with a different accountant. As far as all I have, Sam, the people in my family, my brother. We talked a bit about some maybe from critics, reviews, and I think moments like the ones we've just said are poignant and probably, probably the ones we're remembering mm-hmm. because they're not about Sam and Diane, potentially. Yeah. And there's so much more to the show than this will they, won't they? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something which, you know, shows like Friends built 10 seasons on the will they, won't they? Yeah. And I think with the, the cast that they have in Cheers, it's something that almost gets in the way at times. Yes. There's definitely. so much more there. Yeah. As we've talked about both in quotes and the good episodes, uh, one of the low points is, is Andy strangling Diane. Or was that a hijack? <laughs> I think strangling is bad, John. But it's the only Shakespeare coach ever understood. Well, it's not the only strangling we've seen this season, which is a bit concerning. Because Andy strangles Diane in Homicidal Hand, and I'll be seeing you part one. Diane strangles Sam with a phone cord. Yeah, both are really bad. Phone cord, I, don't, I think that was worse. It's, a, it's almost garroting. We knew Andy Andy was a bit crazy. Mm. I know Diane was going to strangle Sam with a telephone cord, you know? Yeah. So we got aside. It is a very poignant moment, and I think it's hard to come back from that, really, isn't it? Yeah. At that moment, you're kind of like, well, looks like, uh, looks like maybe you two aren't suited together. Maybe it is good that someone just went, get out. Yeah. Because obviously it wasn't going well. Why did she strangle him again? Because in episode 21, Sam was like, you know, we should just be honest. I didn't tell them about you because I like the idea of women thinking I'm desirable and single and Diane Sonny get a bit upset but it sounds like isn't me being honest what you want to do and Diane's like sure Sam yeah but then she strangles him with a phone call as you do not ideal but that leads to the end of the series with them yeah. walking away from each other however we look back on the season and I have a top five episodes despite the strangling occurring in this episode I'll be seeing you part one is number five for me okay did the, the, the strangling drop it down? Yes, the strangling <laughs> knocked it down a, a tad. Up from that, this was like the UK top 40, but... Coming in at number four. <laughs> coming in at number four. Duh. Where There's a Will, episode 12. Yeah. Alvin Kramer, it's a very good one. Number three, episode eight, Manager Coach. Yeah, it's a struggle. I would have put Where There's a Will above Manager Coach. Number two is episode 14, No Help Wanted. Get some emotional. Yeah. But what's in at number one, John? Ooh, what could it be? I, I could put Cliff's Rocky Moon. I I put episode 13, Battle of the Exes. Okay. It's a powerful episode. It's very character-driven. I enjoyed a lot of that episode. I'm surprised Cliff's Rocky Moon was in your top five. I'll tell you what, the, the, the slight racism in that episode pushed it <laughs> quite a bit down for me. I, I, I don't know about you, John. <laughs> I just liked a nice Cliff-centric one. I think where there's a will... Definitely up there for me. No help wanted as well. And homicide one. Homicide one. Manager coach, I think, is a, yeah, it's one of those. I think I think a lot of them for me are the, the B character driven <laughs> ones. I'm not sure that probably says more about me than uh, the Michelle. How can you how can you put anything above Cliff Headbutt and the Brick?
Well, there's the award music change, and that can only mean one thing. It's our season two awards. We've got some good awards this time. Nice little parcels. Delivered by Cliff himself. He's delivered nice. the envelopes as we read them off. Which award should we first? Well, I think this one. The award entitled Snack on That Fact. Okay, I'm, I'm liking this. It's selling some merch with that catchphrase, maybe. Yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe a little, maybe a little merch here. We're gonna keep saying it until you buy things. <laughs> and what's this category? It's a best cliff fact. I'm liking it. The nominees are: statistics show that 33% of the time, a guy carrying a gun will not use the gun if challenged. Not sure if accurate. If he's already tried to shoot people two out of three times today, you're in luck. Another one is, did you hear about the studies done at John Hopkins about the Y chromosome of persistent bar troublemakers? They found a striking similarity between that and chronic droolers and idiots. The winner, just because of how it wildly inaccurate it is, is what Cliff thinks DNA stands for. The very letters DNA are an acronym for the words dames are not aggressive. Bong for his yeah. confidence. Our next category, James. Yeah. Best round in the ring. This is uh, looking at our bar fights over the season. And our first nominees, as you can imagine, Norman Wally. Oh, Good yes. old Moonglow himself. Got to see some of Norm's glory days in the ring uh, and his old wrestling past. As his uh, old friend slash rival Wally comes in and challenges him for Mira in the episode They Call Me Made It. Good fight. This is just a nominee. Whoa. Uh, and a, a nice quote from that. Uh, don't let a seven and a half hour hug give you the wrong idea. Our next nominee, Diane Sam. And I think in I'll Be Seeing You, we, we definitely saw something like that. We yeah. talked about the phone cable earlier. Best around the rink. Couldn't make it because it was just a bit too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Our winner though, James. Can you guess who? Is it Cliff and Victor Chapeau? Or oh, Cliff nice. and the Brick? It's Cliff and the Brick. <laughs> it's Cliff, the boards of the Brick. And uh, how could it not be in a Rocky-themed episode titled Cliff's Rocky Moment, where he just sort of turned a brick to smithereens with his forehead. Cliff wins the best round in the room. I've got another one here. Where everybody knows your name. It's a nice one. I'm liking yeah. it. We've had a lot of guest collaborators. And this award is for best guest cast or crew name. The nominees are Seven Darden as Professor DeWitt. Good actor name. Very good character name. Love a good pun. These are being grouped together. Mm-hmm. It's the Titans. There's Elliot Scott as Pee Wee, Corey Feldman as Bruce, and Martin Davis as Tank. Are these just nominees? These are nominees. The Titans could have took that home. There's 11 of them, James. The dynamic duo. Cannonball. You haven't heard the winner yet. Okay. And there's uh, Alan Fine as Delivery Man number one and Charles Champion as Delivery Man number two in episode 17, Fortune and Men's Weight. Can you guess who the winner is? No. The winner is, of course, Max Tash. Oh, Max Tash, the writer of episode... 14, No Help Wanted. Max Tash. Max Tash. James, I've got drink of the season. Oh, yeah? Our favourite drinks of the season. I wanted to kick it off with a strong nominee. It was a drink which we thought sounded pretty nice. It was the double hot buttered rum served to Malcolm himself, one of our favourite characters of the season. And I like to think of it being like his last drink as well. Oh. But a bit sad. A bit sad, but you know, it's kind of like it seems like a special double hot butter. That's a lot of butter. That's double butter. <laughs> double du- butter. Double hot. D- double hot. Double hot. Scalding. <laughs> Burn your tongue. This might surprise his audience. A second nominee. Coaches con tica tica. That's only number two. Ooh. This was a blender breaker. Yeah. <laughs> con tica tica. Smoking blenders. Coming at number one. It's not really one drink. You could say it's a, a train of drinks. Yeah. It's our beer train. And I think this was one of the really nice scenes in the halftime in a, in a football yeah. game. And Sam's, whilst the game's on, lined up a load of pints and just sort of pushes them slowly along the table. And everyone sort of circles around and grabs a pint. 
Non grabs about four. Non grabs loads. He has. <laughs> he's the winner of the beer trade. <laughs> and that's our winner of the drink of the season beer trade. And I've got my last award here. It's like Christmas with all our little parcels. <laughs> it's great. This award is called biggest bigwig. Who's the MVP? Most valued player. Sports reference of the season. Any guesses? I mean, Carla would say God. Carla would say God. I'll give you a clue. It's not Herbie, Dave, Mahmoud, Reagan, or Sinatra. Or Max Tesh. Or Max Tesh. <laughs> the nominees are Cliff. Yeah. For episodes like Cliff's Rocky Moment. Mm-hmm. Well, some stellar performances. Coach. Can't go wrong with Coach. And the winner with a great redemptive arc throughout the whole season. There's only one person who deserves this trophy. We've said it before. This has been the season of Norm Moonglow hey. Peterson. There we go. It, it has been the season of Norm. He's, he's back with his wife. Actually, he broke up with his wife. <laughs> he's back with his wife. He's got a new job. He's got a business. He's yeah. a businessman now. Talking of Norm, my uh, final award was a round of shots. The best Norm one-liners. And we're kicking it off with, can I draw you a bit? And then, I know things. I know what they look like. Is, I know what they look like. Four. And that's from No Help Wanted. That's Norman is lowest. Ooh. And he's still hitting it with the one line. How does a beer sell? I finish them before they get a word in. Yes. That's Fortune and Men's Swing. But th- this one's a, it's quippy. <laughs> probably not the positive one, but how's life, Norm? Ask a man who's got one. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Which that was our winner. I just thought it was a very nice little one liner. The thing about one liner is got to stop you in your tracks. Norm hits at home with them. It's not just about the awards that we want to give. We've got some favourite guest actors, a few of them. Let's talk about who our favourites are. I'm not sure we kick it off with an old favourite. We've got returning guests for sure. I think we're both talking about Harry Anderson. Yeah, Harry Anderson as Harry the Hat in episode 10. How do I love the Let Me Call You Back? There's another returning guest. Only one episode in this season, only one episode in last season. Andy Andy. We also get a return from... Sumner. And Dave. And Dave, yeah, I was thinking of Dave, but Sumner does as well. In the episode... Sumner's return, <laughs> exactly. But it's nice that these characters come back. It reminds us of their existence. Who was your favourite returning character before we move on to new guests? I'm not sure if it was the character himself or the episode they appeared in, but the homicidal hat yeah. was very good. I think Andy Andy has a really strong presence. In it. Yeah. I think in How Do I Love Thee, let me call you back, Harry the Hat is always a good character, but he was kind of sidelined for a lot of it. It wasn't used much, but all I remember is the whole Bring us on to new guests. Yeah, new guests. Who, who are we thinking of here, James? Thinking man's talk show host. Dick Cavan. He, he was good. He had some good one-liners as well. Yeah, and they called me Mayday. You don't know how I welcome your sense of humor in this desert of banality. I, uh, I wouldn't call this a desert. No? No, a desert would be an easier place to get a drink. So some good wit from him there. George Gaines. I agree. As Malcolm Kramer. I think he's definitely been a standout in the season. I think that episode in itself it was really nice to him as an introduction character into it. Yeah. And I'd say one of the classic kind of stories of this person's in the bar, let's have them out. Exactly. And they're the kind of episodes that stand out for me as yeah. really good episodes. And we had Dan Hedea and Jean Cassem mm-hmm. as Nick and Loretta Tapelli. Yeah. We'll see more of them in the future, I imagine. I would hope so. And uh, of course, in our two-part finale, Christopher Lloyd, again, really good to see you, bringing over some talent from Taxi. Philip Semenko. What is his character's name? We, not only did we have parcels, we got letters as well. Yeah, so I've got some trivia here. This one is around the character of Cliff. In um, this season, he was introduced as a main character. He is obviously a mailman. But what was his original profession? Security guard? 
police officer. Ah. But I've got another tidbit with this, James. Uh, we talked about uh, Cliff's little-known facts, and these were actually often ad-libbed by John Ratzenberger. Oh, wow. And they would just sort of give him simple cues of lines related to the facts, and he would kind of go on a bit of a tangent around them. You've got to have a lot of respect there for a man who can ad-lib so I bet Pixar's got their hands full with him. <laughs> <laughs> How much is on the cutting room floor, we'll never know. Bit of a niche question I have here. Coach bought an attack dog in episode 11, Just Three Friends. Yeah. As with many episodes in this season, as I discussed, I thought this was partly to bring him back a younger, more joyful time in his life. In episode 14 of season 1, Coach revealed that when he was young, his grandfather had a dog. Mm. What was that dog's name? Oh, I don't know, James. Bruno. In uh, season one, we talked about how Cheers was based off the Bull and Finch bar. In season two, we get the introduction of Malville's upstairs. But what was uh, the name of the restaurant that was above the Bull and Finch that Malville's was based off? Oh, putting out the big guns here, John. Cutting deep for this one. Uh, Papa John's. No, it was called the Hampshire House. Boston's not in Hampshire, which is ironic, Um, I suppose. With the name the Hampshire House, I don't think it was seafood there. No, it would be toast. We had plenty of recurring barflies in this season, plenty of new faces. Tim Cunningham appeared in a few episodes over season two. But how many names does Tim Cunningham's character have over these last two seasons? And can you name them? No, to the second part. Can't name them. I feel like it couldn't be more than three, but I feel like it's two. But two wouldn't be worthy of a question. So I'm going to say three. The correct is three. Chuck, Greg and Tim. At least they landed on Tim in the end. Yeah, figured it out. Took them a while to get there. Yeah. <laughs> he got there in the end. I like the fact that they changed his name twice. <laughs> what do you mean your name was Tim? No. <sighs> Paul Vaughan was another recurring barfly. Yeah. His last episode was episode eight, Manager Coach. But how many episodes did Paul Vaughan appear in over these last two seasons? Six. What's wrong? It was a guess. The answer is ten. That's quite a lot. That's, a, that's maybe it's half a season. Half a season. And will he come back or do we know? Last episode was episode eight. Manager coach. Poor Paul Vaughan. You will be missed, Paul. In this series, we um, we mentioned earlier that the one quite a few Emmys was nominated for quite a few. Which episodes were nominated for Outstanding Writing in a Comedy Series? Which ones stood out for you? Where the Will? No. No Help Wanted? No. Power Play? Little Sister Don't Power Play? Yeah. Power Play was one of the two. So it was Glenn Charles and uh, Les Charles writing. Yeah. The other one, I wouldn't have expected to um, be nominated for Outstanding Writing. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but uh, in, in the last season it was quite heavy hitting episodes yeah. related. This one was Homicidal Ham <laughs> with uh, David Lloyd writing. I like it because it was an episode that really stood out to me as quite a fun one. So I think it's quite nice that it got nominated. My final question. We have often used the phrase dollar pals yes. when referring to the price of items in Cheers mm. or the Cheers universe. But in which 80s British comedy, which is still going now, are dollar pounds used as a form of currency? I mean, I'm going to guess something like Red Dwarf. You're exactly right. It's Red Dwarf. I haven't watched Red Dwarf, but it made sense. Sci-fi show. Yeah. Yeah. And you said that that's still going now. Yeah. It's a safe bet. But it turns out that our, our confusion isn't totally crazy then. Yeah. It's just futuristic. <laughs> yeah. Forward thinking. That was our season two review. A lot of tasty facts to snack on. I'm, yeah, I'm glad we established that it was the season of Norm as well. Can't wait to see what happens with him in the next season. Will it all be on the up from now? That's what we're looking forward to, really. Not too bothered about whether Sam and Diane meet again. We want to know what happens to Norm. I want more Norm Cliff, Coach, Carla, 
That, that's everyone. There's, there's no one else in the show. And, and people who turn up at the bar and have a good time. I want more Al. Sinatra! That's got to be one of the closing lines of this series. Of course, wow, at a painting, but Sinatra at life. The yeah. biggest of big ones. What would you say uh, our drink of the season is here? Will we go with the, the winner of Beer Trail? Oh, I think we have to. Well, why 22 not? beers. Yeah? With 22 episodes. 22 beers with 22 episodes. What's an extra one for this uh, series? Oh, good luck. We can't wait until we uh, join you with season three of uh, Where Nobody Knows Your Name. Thank you for listening. See you then. Thank you.